Welcome back to another Fact Podcast. I'm Dr. Fred Clary, founder of Functional Analysis Chiropractic Technique, a chiropractic technique based on movement and breathing. Well, today we have a special treat. We are honored to have Kayla Forcier here. Um, she is a IFBB pro bodybuilder in the figure division. She hails from Fargo, North Dakota. She's active in coaching and contest preparation and health and wellness. And she has a, a unique um, philosophy to lifting weights, getting in shape, wellness. And I thought we would uh, bring her on, especially since she's a local pro right here in the upper Midwest where we are. So I hope you enjoy the show. Well, today we have a special treat. We have Kayla Forcier, who's an IFBB figure pro, even though I want her to do physique. She is a figure <laughs> pro um, from North Dakota. Yeah, right in the middle of the upper Midwest here. And um, I'm kind of honored to have her because we having local pros right here that are doing it. And, you know, you don't have to go to California. You don't have to go to Florida. And the unique thing about Kayla is it's just not, you know, her coaching is just not about, you know, bodybuilding and getting stronger. She's really into health. She has a unique uh, uh, take on the whole thing because she's had some health issues herself that she's pulled herself through. So I'm just going to let her talk about yourself. Why don't you introduce yourself, Kayla? All right. Well, thanks for having me, Fred. Um, I'm Kayla, as Fred said. Um, I originally am from Minnesota, just north of the Twin Cities, um, but I now live in uh, Fargo, almost said Florida for some reason, but <laughs> I wish, right? Uh, so I got into bodybuilding, I guess, in 2015. So I've been doing this for almost 10 years now. Um, I was 20 years old in college and I just like didn't do any sports anymore. And I still like really wanted to compete. And I also was like gaining the freshman 15. So I was like, I really need to figure this out. And I just was very uncomfortable in my skin. And so I started weightlifting and from there, someone told me, um, they're like, hey, have you ever like thought about like a bodybuilding show? And I was like, I don't even know what that is. Like I knew of like bodybuilding. I didn't know it was for women because um, okay. I, you know, had learned, knew about like Arnold Schwarzenegger and all that kind of stuff, but just never like that women could do it. And so I was like, oh, that sounds kind of fun. Like, and I like a challenge. I was like, I learned how to eat better. So like, sure, why not? I'll try it. No idea what I was doing. I had no, did like one posing session and I like, you know, I had a little bit of guidance, but not like I never took a check-in photo. I never like weighed myself consistently. Like, so I just didn't know. And so I did lose weight and I still came in and like, <laughs> it was like, I still wasn't lean enough by the time I got to stage, like for what we deem as like lean um, standards and stuff. And, but I had fun. And the one thing that the judge, a judge came up to me at the very end and he was like, if you got a little bit leaner, he's like, you'd be dangerous. And that comment has stuck with me forever. So wow, okay. I came back the second year doing that same natural show. Um, and I won the whole thing and got my IPE pro card. So that literally like lit a fire in me Okay. and I've loved it ever since. And then since I got that, um, then I was like, all right, well, I already got my like pro card in like the natural division. Like, let's go to the NPC where they can like do drugs. Cause I'm going to stay natty, like whatever. And I'm going to beat these people. And I did. I run two overalls um, coaching myself there. Um, and that's also when I started powerlifting. So that is how I met Fred. 
was through powerlifting. Um, and again, I just love to lift. I love to challenge myself and everything. And then I just got a little overzealous and mm. that's kind of what led to the health issues. Um, just the constant competing show after show and meet after meet, you know, back and forth training really hard, not eating enough. Cause here I thought like, I was like, Oh, I'm a small person. I don't need to eat like that much food. It wasn't necessarily a matter of like, Oh, I want to only be 10 pounds above stage weight. It just was like, I just, I was like, I just thought I only needed to eat like 1600 calories a day mm-hmm. further from the truth. Um, so regardless, 2020 came around and I was starting to prep again for like my second time going to like nationals that year. Um, and cause I had taken a couple of years off to like power lift and to get a little more, um, density to my muscle and stuff. And it just wasn't going that great. And I was super stressed out, super anxious all the time, like more than normal. Um, and then I was like, there's just something that's just not right. And I ended up, um, finding, um, my coach, Jason, uh, and he of, of Scooby health for who I work for now. Um, and I was like, he, he had mentioned a on a podcast, I think about some hormone issues that were going on with some people and stuff and just informational. And I was like, that sounds like me. I was like, I need to get my labs done. So we got labs done. My hormones were literally in the tank. Um, I was like met, had like menopausal hormones at like the age of 25. Oh, wow. Um, So I had like no sex hormones whatsoever. And my cortisol was like through the roof. So, so, so let me stop you here for a minute, Kayla and pause. So, you're you're saying that you know constantly dieting and training may not be that healthy for somebody. Is that the reason some people have trouble losing weight or staying consistent or getting injuries from lifting? Because yes. they say, "Oh, I eat healthy. I'm you know I eat clean. I'm working out. Yeah, why isn't it working?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really big reason. Okay. Um, is because you know you start to lose weight and you know you start going and you lose a little bit of weight, but okay. then you kind of stall out because your body um responds to that and it, it it adapts so then people do a little bit more and then a little bit more and then suddenly they're six months into a diet and they haven't really made any progress and now they're actually going backwards oh, and wow. it's because your your body goes into this fight or flight mode and it just starts to hang on to everything instead of letting it do its thing because you're not properly feeding it and resting enough okay so resting is important oh absolutely okay don't worry I was definitely team no rest days too when I was start, first started. You know, I, I get this all the time and stuff. Like I was I was that person that was training six days a week for two to three hours a day. Wow. Um, I mean, especially when I was powerlifting, like I was training conjugate and that is really hard, um, really hard on your body too. So I just wasn't recovering enough. And that was like the biggest reason why. Yeah. I remember what my one of my old Russian coach said to me. He goes, Fred. There is no such thing as overtraining, just under recovery. So yeah. how would you figure that out for someone? Because what would be uh what would be not enough recovery for me may be different for you or someone else, right? How how do you figure yeah. that out? Um typically like with with my clients, I kind of just listen to their biofeedback because like you said, everyone has a different situation. And like for me personally, I've really started to figure it out now. Um, because I'm also just a very like high stress individual, like with what I do with my job and I'm very like type A, I'm holding myself to a high standard. So like nothing's ever good enough kind of thing. And 
So I just like have a lot of stress naturally. And so I have to learn how to manage that best. And then I also have found out like for myself that I need a little bit more deloads like than the average person because when I train one I love to train compound movements because come from powerlifting Mm -hmm. so those are also harder on your central nervous system so your central nervous system when that's stressed out it gives off cortisol and cortisol basically shuts everything down because it puts your body into fight or flight so what we found my coach uh, Ryan and I have found with training and stuff now is that you know because I'm so small like I'm only four foot nine like right now off season I'm like 130 pounds so like I'm pretty small but I can it's a lot of muscle lift. on four foot nine it's, <laughs> it's a lot of muscle yeah I and and I can like train hard and like I love to train hard and I can lift like as much if not like more than like the average female mm-hmm. so we found that it's just like it's just harder on my central nervous system because it's just overloading you know, my body. So I just need a little bit more deloads. So with clients, I kind of do the same thing. I just listen to their biofeedback with their weekly check-ins and stuff. And women need a break. Like I have one girl, she works like 12 hour shifts, like at, at a hospital doing security, which is also a very physical job. So I have to like, let her rest a little bit more often. Sometimes um, I have other ones who are like work from home moms and they just like, can go train whenever they want to. So they don't need to rest as often because okay. um, they're just not as active during the day. Okay. So when you're in competition, how does that diet look? How does your like prep diet, your pre-contest, pre-stage diet look versus off season? Because, you know, some bodybuilders, you know, they, it, it's like they gain all this bulk in the off season and then they, you know, kill themselves in prep. Kind of what is your philosophy when it comes to that? Um, I think that starting out for a prep, I like to do. So last time I did about 20 weeks to my first show and that was a good timeline, but I think we kind of took it a little bit too slow to begin with. And I personally now coming into this next year, I would like to try as food is higher, hit cardio harder because I have the energy to do so. Okay. Um, so use that as food is higher. That way we can hopefully maintain food at a higher point, pull back cardio, which is going to cause more stress um, as needed throughout the weeks. Um, I take a, a diet break, you know, for three to four days as needed to every, I don't know, four to six weeks, depending on how I'm Ooh, feeling. Oh, slow down, slow down. Diet break. Okay. This is the first I've ever heard of that. Um, I've heard <laughs> okay. of like cheat days and cheat meals. Um, how did you figure out you needed a couple days off a diet? You're still eating clean, right? Or yes. So it's basically like a couple days of like a refeed. So instead of like having like, so during prep, I never really have like a cheat meal. So like I went like 20 weeks with no. Okay. So personally I go like 20 weeks without like a free meal just cause for me, I'd rather just not have it. And just like, cause otherwise no matter what, after you eat more food for like a refeed day or a cheat meal, you're hungrier no matter what. So yes. I'm like, I just don't okay. even want to think about it. Okay. So I just have basically more of like the food I'm already eating. Okay. And so when we find out that I'm like in a stress state, my body really needs to recover and rest. I'm not recovering from my training. We'll take like maybe two days off from the gym and then I'll get extra sleep, more food, especially carbs um, for the, like two days in a row at least maybe three or four it just kind of depends again and then usually I feel better and can get right back at it so and then I 
usually make a really good drop in weight. So I think this last prep, I had like four days where I was in Colorado visiting a friend and um, I was like five weeks out and I just was like needing a rest. I had gained like four pounds in like a couple days and I was like, what is going on here? And so we added more food, like 60 carbs or something. And I just pulled back on um, cardio a little bit. And within the next like four days, I dropped like six pounds. Okay. I know the, I know we have average, uh, you know, I, I call them uh, citizens out there. Then we have uh, those that are really soldiers. We have the athletes listening and I, I can hear them mumbling right now. She's eating more food and then she loses weight. Um, uh, I was at the nationals in Pittsburgh talking to a, an Olympian Olympia competitor. And what she said is it's like sometimes you have to throw more logs in the fire to get the metabolism going. Is that what, what you're talking about? Because I know people are listening. It's like, wait a minute, she's eating more food and then she loses weight. Can you explain that a little bit, how that happens? Yeah. So when you go into a calorie deficit, you pull your food down, right? Your yeah. body is going to eventually um, adapt to that. And it's okay. going to learn how to run off of lower calories. Therefore, it's going to be harder to lose the weight. So usually at least once a week, I would implement a refeed day, which pulls my body back up to like my maintenance calories. And so that it keeps your body thinking that you're still eating more food, like you're at your maintenance, you have to pull it out of that dieting phase. And then it's like, oh, okay, we have food. And then it relaxes. And then it's just like, like, it lets go basically. Okay, that that's awesome. Um, I've heard a lot more people doing that. Um, I know too many people that are, you know, the day of the contest or a couple of days before the go, they're having like a cheeseburger and fries as a cheat meal. And I just, I just don't understand that. So I'm glad you clarified all that for me. I'm like, how did she take three days off? You know? Yeah. No, I mean, some people can do that. Some people can. I just, I just don't, for one, I don't want to mess with it because you never know exactly how it's cooked. You never know exactly the salt content. Okay. Um, you know, things like that. So like me personally, like I don't do that. I know like more men can get away with it because their metabolisms are just way faster. So it's part of that too. But I also know some females that can, can also do that because they just are, have crazy fast metabolisms as well. So just kind of depends on the person. Okay. Well, let's, let's kind of shift gears a little bit. Um, Let's talk about bodybuilding in general. There's so many divisions in with the women now, you know, you have wellness, you have physique, you have figure, you have open bodybuilding, you have bikini. Do you see this as positive for bodybuilding in general, just taking like a 10,000 foot view, stepping back? Is it good? Um, because right now there, I think there are more female competitors at the average NPC or IFBB show than there, if you just count all the divisions, than there are men. How do you see the the evolution of bodybuilding lately? I think it's a good thing um, to have those divisions. Um, and I really think that they've been doing a really good job. Like Tyler Mannion always posts up videos of like recapping the shows and stuff and like what they're actually looking for in each division um, because it just makes it more available for more people to do. So more people can get involved. Like it's still is like hard work, no matter what division you're in, you still have to get super lean. You still have to, you know, do all the work that goes into it but just genetically like like for me like even when I started I started in figure like there was no way I was going to get to start in bikini like even though it's like the smallest muscle groups like 
you still have to have the right shape and the right structure for that too. Mm. And so like each division is going to be different as far as like shape, structure, the level of leanness you need to get to, you know, stuff like that. So I think it's just good for that aspect. And then also with, you know, if you compare bikini to women's bodybuilding, there's a different level of like PEDs involved. And, you know, if you are someone that doesn't really want to take a bunch, like, then you can do like more bikini. And if you are okay with it and you want to get huge, like the women's bodybuilding, like I give them so much respect because they work their asses off because as a female, it is super hard to gain muscle like that. And so it's just all dependent on like what you want to look like though, too. Okay. Okay. So, so how do in your, when working with clients, you know, how do you approach them? Like, you know, Susie Q public, John Q public, versus someone says, you know, I may want to do a show, you know, next year, you know, they're two different goals. Some people just, you know, want to be in shape, drop 20 pounds. Other people say, you know, I want to look like Kayla, you know, how, how do you approach those brand new beginners? Is it the same in the beginning or is it different? Um, some similar, some different. Um, I guess like similarly, like I, automatically establish okay what's your goals like what what's your timeline like how like fast do you want to achieve this kind of thing like for a lifestyle person <laughs> lifestyle people more oftentimes I get from them <laughs> they'll tell me right after that they're like I don't want to look like you and I'm like I know it's okay <laughs> I'm like it's okay I promise like I won't you know but for me like similarly the mentality of like I need to achieve this goal has to be the same as far as like a competitor versus lifestyle like treated the same um, and I tell all of my clients too, that, like, I will be brutally honest with you, but I will also like be your biggest cheerleader. So if they're slacking on their goals, I'd be like, I'll call them out and be like, Hey, like I had a girl the other day that, um, I asked her to see her food diary and she's like, was complaining that she wasn't losing her weight that she wanted to lose. And then she, even before she sent it to me, she was like, she's like, ah, oh, that's probably where I could clean it up a little bit. And sure enough, like there's cupcakes and stuff on her food diary. And I was like, here we go. So just having that, you know, but, you know, with lifestyle, I'm a little bit more like lenient just because, you know, they're trying to make this happen for a life, like versus okay. like, they're making that work for their lifestyle. Bodybuilding is a lifestyle. So like with bodybuilders or athletes, you know, I'm like, if this is your goal, like you need to make this work. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. Like this is just how it is versus like lifestyle. If I'm like, if they're like, oh, I can't get like a workout in this week or I can't train five days this week. I'll be like, okay, let's train three. You know, okay. no big deal, you know, stuff like that. So that's kind of the difference there as far as like how they're treated, I guess, or like how I do that, um, establishing goals and getting from the gate, like how they want to be coached. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Like, uh, right after I've done this interview, I got to run to the gym because I'm driving to Fargo tomorrow. So I'll miss my Friday workout. You know, so that's different because I'm, you know, I have some goals. I'm going to train for nationals in June, you know, turning around, I'm cleaning up my diet, all those things, as opposed to it's like, ah, I can miss this workout. You know, I got something business to do. I got something to do. Um, I find that's the hardest. Like when I deal with patients, I'm like, they're rehabilitating injuries. It's like, look, you know, if you, if you stay consistent, little things and you clean up your diet, you will heal faster. You know, I, I take those bodybuilding concepts, 
you know, you have to soften them a little bit. They're not going to eat broccoli and chicken breast, though I wish they would, you know, because they probably heal faster, right? You know, but so how do you, what happens if somebody, you know, starts lifting weights, they find out that they really like it and they're thinking, okay, I want to compete. Um, you know, you use the word lean over and over again. And I want to go back to that. So the listening audience understand what's, you know, there's a lot of people say, oh, I want to get lean. But in bodybuilding, it's a whole different thing. What is the definition of lean in bodybuilding versus lifestyle person? So lean in bodybuilding is, first of all, not maintainable. A lot yes. of people that yes. get into it, that. yeah, they see all the pictures on stage yes. and stuff and like you look great like you glammed up like it looks like fun you're in the spotlight you're wearing a sparkly bikini you know the dudes are tanned up too and like showing off their muscles you know whatever but that is literally like 10 percent of it <laughs> yeah like, that is it otherwise like you have to be okay with like you know i'm brutally honest with them i'm like okay this is expensive so do you have the funds for this there you go two you have to be okay with your weight fluctuating Three, you have to be okay with people judging you, like literally judging you because they're it's a very subjective sport. Four, you know, your why. Like, why do you want to do this? Do you want to do this just for like clout? Do you want to do this just so people can tell you you look good? Because if you, that's the case, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. Um, if you want to do it because you want to challenge yourself and step outside of your comfort zone, you know, this is not, and I see this too often, but it is not a way to deal with your food relationship issues or to deal with your your body image issues if anything is going to make all that worse oh no. i am glad not, you said that thank you do not get into this if that is like your your thing because it's only going to amplify it because as soon as you take away food and create a restrictive mindset like it's just gonna carry over into everything and it's it's terrible so yeah that's kind of, I mean, the brutally honest part. I'm brutally honest with my clients of like, hey, if you want to compete, like we got this timeline here, like a longer timeline than what you think it is going to be. Yeah, I, I've i had people that I, I call them the people that lost the bet. You know, it's like, oh, I went through a divorce or I, I lost weight and I just want to get up there or, you know, I, I really want to improve my confidence. And, and I'm like, the bodybuilding is not for you then. It is not because... You know, you're going to have so many coaches that are going to nitpick you constantly, you know, and you've got to have thick skin, even though you don't want thick skin on on stage. But philosophically, you want thick skin, you know, because you're constantly, constantly doing that. So um, so do you have like a posing coach? I mean, how much posing goes into this? Because I know when Belinda was uh, when she did physique and she may go back and do it this summer. I mean, we started six months out you know, posing, you know? So how important is that, that type of stage prep? So your posing is going to be crucial because that can make or break your placing because I've seen it so many times where people have like a really great physique, but their posing absolutely sucks. And then they just can't show it off very well. So your posing has to be, you know, to a place where it shows off your physique very well and it's you and you look confident on stage so this last year for my pro debut um i started practicing posing i did sessions with my posing coach um starting in like january and i didn't compete until september 
Oh, wow. Nine months. Wow. Wow. So I started early because I was like, I want this to be on point. And I can confidently say like that was the best I've ever felt on stage as far as like presence. Like normally when you're up there because of all the like adrenaline and anxiety, you're just like, you know, like shaking. Mm-hmm. You just can't help it. But I didn't shake whatsoever. I felt very calm, confident. I knew exactly what I was doing. My presentation, like my individual was great. Um, I got lots of compliments on that. So, um, so yeah, definitely start. <laughs> it's never too early to start posing. Um, and I always recommend like even to my clients. So I do help my clients with posing. Um, and I do have a couple in person that I just do posing with um, that are coached by other people. Uh, but my advice is always, especially to new people, get a posing coach that's like local so that they can be with you in person because being able to like touch you and like, especially getting like the lat spread is very important because it's so hard if you've never felt your lats engaged like that over like zoom like this to, to explain to them how to do it. (laughs) So I always say like do an in-person one first to begin with. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. So all right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do something. I talk to every bodybuilder or powerlifter like this because it drives me crazy. I'm old school. My first powerlifting meet was 1981. Um, you know, so I go back to long days when we had magazines, no social media, and that kind of thing. And what what I notice, like on Instagram, you have these people that go out and like powerlifting and bodybuilding, CrossFit, whatever. They win one or two shows, a local show, or get second or third, and all of a sudden they're an expert now. And I'm still learning. I'm 56. I hold world records, national records, you know, won my first national championship in the 80s. And I'm still learning. I'm coachable. But what what gets me is, you know, you know, there's no way that person who just won, you know, the Southern Iowa junior novice meet is an expert, but the average public doesn't know that. I mean, so do you see social media as a good thing, a negative thing? Because for me, the jury's out. I'm like, uh, you know, because I can see someone being led the wrong way. And I'm a chiropractor, so I get to see all the injuries caused by bad coaches. So mm-hmm. what what's kind of your opinion on all that? I think I think it's a little bit of both, honestly. Because okay. like for myself as a coach, I have to use social media as a way to market myself because okay. there's, I mean, we don't really have magazines anymore, Not anymore. You know, things nope. like that. So that's a way to market myself and to show like client results that I've had, you know, things like that. That's the easiest way to get to people. I also use email lists and things like that too. But number one is in social media. Um, the bad part about that is, you know, you do see those people that have, you know, done one show or one meet and then all of a sudden they're an expert which also they were probably coached by somebody else yes but <laughs> so then it's like you're literally just taking what your coach told you to do and try to do it to other people yeah. or even with yourself like what works for me personally doesn't work for other people i had a client that you know she if i brought her under like 150 carbs she'd go hypo okay. and so she had carbs all throughout prep and i was on protein veggie days for six weeks like yeah you know, so it you, it just can't be the same. Um, so my point is that like it can be good or bad, but what I what I think personally is that the person who's signing on with this coach needs to do due diligence and research okay. the coach okay. because you know it's kind of like you have to take ownership for yourself of being like oh like I hired a bad person like 
I, they didn't ask like, you know, what's your qualifications? Like, how long have you been doing this? Have you helped other people with this stuff? You know, I've had plenty of people ask me those things and I've I'm like, here you go. Here's my whole like list of things I've done and like places I've gone and like uh, continuing education I've done, you know, and same as you, I'm still learning. I'm just signed up for like a course, you know, this year to keep continue learning more about bodybuilding because there's never enough to learn. There's, there's never enough. I mean, I, I, I still like to this afternoon after I finish uh, editing this uh, podcast, you know, I say, like, oh, this is my day off and I don't have to do anything. I'm going to watch a movie. And, you know, there's a new table talk, which is a powerlifting show. And they're talking about, you know, a new way to train singles and squats. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is great. Because, you know, you know, what was a record last year is meant to be broken. So, you know, the mm -hmm. physiques continue to improve. The weights keep going up. And it, it comes with just more knowledge, more knowledge and learning those things. And that's kind of what I've been seeing is this the continuation, knowledge and knowledge. And what gets me is these, you know, I'll just give you an example and I won't use names, but we had a gal just kind of uh, come with the team, learn. She was strong as hell. She had no idea. She had just moved the air as strong as can be. And I said, all right, I'll give you, I'll give you a 12 week peaking cycle, wrote it up, you know, just gave it to her for free. Here you go just do this. You know, she was just looking to get something done. Well, it was too easy. You know, she's like looking at this and I'm like, follow it exactly. Well, she hired a coach, right? Well, she ended up blowing her knee and getting knee surgery because he, she had, he had her doing five by fives two weeks before a contest and knee okay. went. Yeah. You can't peak like that and let, I don't care how many drugs or no drugs you do. You can't, you can't do, you can't use heavy weight and reps at the same time, all the way to a powerlifting meet. For those listening, you kind of peak. There's manipulation of the set rep scheme. So uh, you know, and you know, we we tried to help her and all that. And I'm just kind of shrugged, and I'm like, you know, I've been doing this for over forty some years, and I've seen this over and over again. You know, so you, I like what you said. It, it's up to the it's up to the client to do the due diligence because she really didn't know who I was. You know, I was this chubby guy yelling at everybody, just coaching. I wasn't lifting because my my knees were bad at the time. And, you know, I'm just walking around. And I said, oh, here, I'll write the whole thing up for you and designed it up. So I noticed that. And I'm like, you really didn't know who I was, did you? You know, you know, it was perfect. Mm -hmm. So so when you're evaluating, like, who are some of your mentors? Like, what are some of the physiques you look up to? Um, maybe some of the trainers, the styles. You know, who are some of the people you say, okay, I want to be like that one day? So as far as mentors, like my number one has been Jason Theobald. My, um, he's my boss now okay. and he was my, he was my coach for a little bit um, for, you know, he helped me fix my hormones. Like he's been a very, very big um, person in my life that has changed a lot of things for me okay. um, for the better. Um, so he, he's taught me a ton. Um Otherwise, like other like, I guess, like coaches and trainers I look up to would be like John Meadows for one. Yeah. Um, his concepts were awesome. Um, really love his stuff. Um, I've also looked at like, you know, Elite FTS, you know, uh, uh, Dave Tate. And, you know, that's more strength and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, but I guess that would be like my main one would be Jason. And then now I'm working on. Um, J3 University with John Jewett. So he's also okay. someone that I look up to very highly. Um, 
very smart guy, very nice, um, humble person. I've met him a couple of times. Um, then I guess like physique wise, um, I guess I don't really like idolize anybody as far as like a physique because I'm like, my physique is my own. And like, even if I like someone else's physique, like there's plenty of physiques that I like, but I'm not sitting here like, oh, I really want her physique because that's, that's hers. Like it's not mine. Like mine is mine. So I'm going to make it the best that I can. Um, I guess like when I look up to physiques, I kind of look up to more like work ethic and stuff too. Okay. So like, um, uh, what's her name? Michaela Acock. She's oh, wow. women's bodybuilding. Yep. You know, she's great work ethic. You know, I love that mindset that she has. Um, there's also lots of like other figure women that have like just beautiful physiques. I've always been a fan of Candace Carter. Um, she doesn't compete anymore. Uh, but she also always had beautiful physique in my opinion. Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess like that's, if I had to say like those two, um, as far as that goes, but otherwise, like, I also see a lot of these other women, like even Sydney Gillen is like competition. Like I'm a pro now. So like I compete with these girls. So like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to sit there and like fangirl over people who I compete with. You know, they're just, they're also just like other people. They're not like, you know, they're just there to compete too. And we're all here together and like, we love doing this. So it's like, everyone's just kind of, you know, in it together. And it's not a thing to like, you can look up to people, but not necessarily have to like idolize them, if that makes sense. Oh, no, it does make sense. It does make sense. So, so how, you know, I've always, I've always hung out, quote unquote, with the freaks of nature. Back in my day in 1980s, you had the powerlifters, the bodybuilders, they always trained together. But we just had a different worldview. We just, you know, we were always in the gym. That was our hobby. That was our church. That was our temple. We're always, you know, oh, you know, <laughs> diet food. We go, we're eating protein shakes and all that. I'm starting to see, you know, having working with the public for so long, you know, there people are doing smoothies. They're doing protein powders. They're drinking bottled water now. Everyone drinks bottled water now. How do you see the influence of health, wellness, and bodybuilding into the general public? You know, are you seeing it starting to break through the mainstream? You know, how do you see it, Kayla? I definitely think it is starting to. Um, to be honest, I don't really hang out outside of other places, like <laughs> normal places, <laughs> besides like the gym and the grocery store or at home. Like I'm at a coffee shop right now, but like that's about it. But I mean, there's just a lot more like of these like protein bars like everywhere and yes. like, health food stuff. And like it's kind of becoming like trendy. Right. Gas stations sense. now. I saw yes. protein bars at gas stations. Yeah. Yep. Which is which is nice because it makes it more available for people. But I still think that some people are only doing it because it's trendy and like Ooh. what's cool, yeah. you know. So and like same thing at the gym. Like I see lots of people come into the gym, which is great. Like come better yourself. But you're not really doing much if you're just sitting there on your phone the whole time and just kind of like half like half assed like doing a workout kind of thing. And it's like okay, like you're in here. I give you credit, but like do a workout you know i'm i'm not really in a space too in a gym where there is a lot of like general population good yeah the gym that i go to is like semi-private so there's and everyone that goes there like competes in something or is there to train not just do a workout okay yeah that i i have trouble with the box gyms the planet fitness or 
whatever the general public is. I just, I can't do general pop. Um, I, I remember, you know, when my patients are like, oh, I'm going to join this place and that place. And I said, well, stop by this hardcore gym that I train in. And they're like, oh, it's too scary. I said, well, people are just there to work out. Um, because it's January, we get all the, uh, you know, the people that have resolutions, January, New Year's resolutions. And just the other day, I had to kick someone off a machine. And I'm like, well, how many more texts do you have before you're done? Because I want to use this machine. Not how many sets do you have left? How many texts do you have left? You know, mm-hmm. so that that irritates me. And I'm like, OK, I'm seeing more of that. I also see more people um, bringing in their phones to record them doing, you know, a 20 pound curl for Instagram. Do you, you don't have that in your gym now, do you? Everyone recording little angles or stuff? I mean, yeah, we do. Um, I mean, I carry around a tripod in, in the gym because my coach actually asked me for videos of my yes, training. That's different. Yeah. So, um, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm, I'm like, oh, am I like being like that influencer type person and like, which is fine. If that's what you want to do, cool, do it. But like, I just have a problem when, cause I've seen this happen before at other gyms where some girls will come in with literally different outfits and they'll just change their outfit and video themselves doing a movement. And I'm like, you're not even lifting. So then it just gets to the point of like, that's just not truthful and it's yeah. not genuine or authentic. And it's just kind of like that. I just don't really like, but also at the same time, I'm like, it's not bothering me. Like, I'm not going to worry about it. Do your thing. If that makes you feel good, cool. You know, do it, do you. But, you know, ultimately what I love about the gym is that your work shows. Like, so if you don't do the work, it's going to show. And if you do, it's going to show. Oh, I love that. That's, that's a great thing to start to end on. So, so as we're ending here, what advice would you give? Like, you know, I got four daughters, you know, 21 through 17, um, you know, say they wanted to, st- you know, compete. One of them said, okay, I want to start lifting. What advice would you give that kind of, you know, person who's, you know, they're used to going in the gym, but they want to compete. They want to be like Kayla. Where would they start? I would say, and I've had this happen before too, is that if you want to compete someday, make sure you just enjoy training Ooh, and that's great. don't, because I've seen it too often that people start training just to compete. And I'm like, well, why are you competing then? You know, like I compete because I love to train and it's just like the little cherry on top. And if you took away competing, like I would still do all the same thing I always do. Like it, nothing would change except for just getting on stage. You know, it's, I save a lot of money on tanning <laughs> suits and, and makeup. So just stuff and like hair, that. But, shoes, yeah, so, jewelry. Yes. <laughs> So I always say, like, make sure you just enjoy it first, because if you don't enjoy it, you're going to put yourself into like a prep that you're going to absolutely hate and despise. And then you and then when that happens, then you have a bad name for bodybuilding, you know, and there's I've seen heard it way too many times. Like, Well, bodybuilding did this to me and did that to me and all this stuff. And it's like, well, like you chose to do it. So did it really do it to you? Like, did you really enjoy training? Like, even though it sucks, like you still have to enjoy the process and when you have, when you do hit a show, you're like excited for like the day and then it goes away. And then it's like, well, when you, your show's done, are you just going to stop training? Like, like, so enjoy training first. That is like my biggest piece of advice. That is fantastic. I've never had anyone say that. And that's beautiful. That's, I'm going to use that. I'm stealing that. I'm going to use that. With people <laughs> that 
Well, really, because like, oh, Fred, I want to compete in powerlifting. Well, do you like lifting heavy weights and having a schedule and a program and sticking to it? What? That you don't want to? Yeah, no, no. Because if if they're, I'm always in the gym doing something, you know, always, always, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's my culture. All right. Well, you know, who do you have any shout outs as we close up here? Any anybody you want to thank that got you here? I guess like I can thank Scooby Health. Uh, they've been a very big part of this. Um, taught me a lot. Uh, Jason has taught me a lot throughout my career. Um, I would like to thank uh, my coach Ryan because he's also been a part of that. He's been with I've been with him now for like uh, about a year and a half. Um, and he's been very helpful in like teaching me things as well, especially when it comes to like strength athletes and everything. So he's also a big mentor of mine. Um, and then like, uh, Evo fit suits by B I'm going to shout her out. She's my suit sponsor and she's literally awesome. So if you guys listening, like are looking for suits, she does guys and girls. So hit her up. Um, can use my code nugget 10, uh, for a discount. And she's very, very personable. She does such good work, does everything from scratch. So hundred percent recommend her um and then yeah i think that should be everything well thanks for being on i really appreciate it of course thank you for having me fred it was awesome chatting with you uh-huh.